Well, good morning. Our topic, as I have it written here, is Christianity and social justice. Is this need covered in our faith? Uh, An important question, I think. Because I think, as human beings, by and large, we understand that there's a need for justice in our world, for caring for those who are vulnerable. The hungry need to be fed. The naked need to be clothed. Those without a home need a place to call home. Those without a family need someone to love them. And those who are enslaved or oppressed need someone to free them. We desire that justice should be done in our world. And so the question this morning is what is Christianity's response to this need? What does our faith have to say about this need for justice in our world? And I just want to begin with an admission. An admission that we aren't always good at this. That as Christians, we are actually flawed human beings who sometimes don't love our fellow humans the way that God intended. I was looking through uh, some old news articles this week, and I ran across one from about a year ago, and it told about this church in San Francisco that had a problem. The problem was that the homeless people in the area would continuously come and sleep in their doorways. And they weren't too thrilled by this, so they devised a system whereby water would automatically be dumped on these people on a periodic basis. And as you can imagine, uh, people didn't think too well of this church for what they were doing, and I think rightly so. That should not be the response that we have when we see people in need, to, to soak them with water and drive them away. And that's just one example. I could give many more examples from history, and I'm sure you can think of some, where unfortunately, we as Christians have still been flawed people who haven't uh, pursued justice the way that we should. But you know, this stands in contrast to what we read in the New Testament. James tells us in James 1.27 that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And we need to understand when we read these verses that in the the day when the New Testament was written, orphans and widows were two of the most vulnerable groups in all of society. They had no one to care for them, and yet they were totally dependent on others to meet their needs. And so what James is saying here in these verses is that what it really means to be a Christian, what God really wants from his people is for his people to care for the needs of the most vulnerable. And actually, even though I've given some examples and I've said we're not perfect at this, I actually think the church overall through history has done a not bad job of this. Okay? Now, I could give some examples of, of individuals who have pursued justice on, on behalf of others and done it well. I could tell you about William Wilberforce. Uh, a gentleman in England at the time of when there was still slavery there who said, you know what, 
we need to get rid of slavery. And I'm going to pursue this cause, even though it costs me uh, a promising political career. And, and he fought for freedom for slaves until eventually he achieved that. Did great things in England. Uh, I think about someone like Martin Luther King, who fought for racial equality, and who did that based upon his heritage as a Christian and as a Baptist minister. I can think back to World War II and, and uh, a woman like Cory Ten Boom, who lived in Holland when her country was invaded, taken over, and the Nazis began to round up the Jews and send them off to concentration camps. And Cory and her family took in many of these Jews and hid them, knowing that there very well might be consequences for them. And in fact, there were. They were eventually found out. They were sent to concentration camps themselves. Corey watched the rest of her family be killed. Um, she herself barely escaped death. And yet she was willing to take that risk because her faith in God, her understanding of what it means to be a Christian, led her to defend those who were vulnerable, those who were in need, to pursue justice on behalf of another. And just as there are many individual stories, I think Christianity as a whole has done, has done well on this. Um, I tried to look up statistics for you um, to show you just how much we as the church have done. Um, and what I discovered is it's actually pretty much impossible. Um, we just don't know. Um, it's, it's hard to differentiate, okay, who's giving because they're a Christian and who's giving because they're not and how much have we given. Um, but I was able to find a few things. Um, for example, I was able to find that the Catholic Church, just one aspect of Christianity, um, actually provides about one quarter of the world's um, medical aid, um, hospital systems throughout the world. About one quarter of that comes from the Catholic Church. Uh, and if we, if we look at just Africa about one-third of the schools there are run by the Catholic Church. Um, and I think that actually fits right in line if we look back through Christian history, and we can see that the Church has actually always been at the forefront of those two areas, of providing um, medical assistance, providing for the, the physical needs of people, and of um, beginning schools, educating people, caring for people's minds, the church has been at the forefront of these areas. Um, and so I think that's a good thing, and I, th I think we need to recognize that. I think we can recognize some of these things actually even in our own church. Um, for example, every day we have people that come to our door and they're hungry. And they ask for food. And so we feed them. Um, we give them food hampers. I think that's something good that we do as a church. There's two local schools in the area that every week we send uh, lunches to them. For those children that are unable to provide their own lunch, we feed them. We participate in Serve Day. Serve Day is a day every June where we get together and we go and we find those people that aren't able um, to do their own yard work, and so we do it for them. Uh, we support missions around the world. For example, Gentle Road Church in Regina. 
Uh, in a second here, we're going to watch a video that tells us a little bit more about what it is that they do. Here's some of their story. Um, but they provide for, for at-risk youth and a lot of the native community in Regina uh, and do great things there. Uh, we support missions in Zambia and Zimbabwe uh, that, that have orphanages that care for the needs of people there, um, that educate people there. We support missionaries in Ukraine, Jadon and Mary Lee, who not only run a Bible school in that country, but actually provide a lot of aid to the people that are on the front lines in that war-torn country. Um, I'm really proud of the youth in our church. Every year, our Spark group, the kids in grades four to six, put together numerous shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child, and they send them to parts of the world where children otherwise would not receive gifts. Our Ignite group, that's our junior high and high school students, uh, they put together backpacks full of um, essentials that they give out um, to homeless youth right here in our own city. Um, and we'll also go and we'll participate in mission projects. Um, for example, we are going to Regina this May um, to serve alongside Gentle Road Church there. Um, I, need to, I think we need to recognize the good that we're doing in the area of social justice. Um, going to focus in just for one second on Kevin Vance and, and the work uh, at General Road. We're just going to watch a video, hear a bit more about that, and then we'll continue on. Good morning. My name is Kevin Vance. I live in Regina, Saskatchewan, and I'm a church planter here at Gentle Road Church of Christ and one of your missionaries there at the Calgary Church. So I'm grateful for this chance to share a story with you about uh, our work here in the inner city. The story I want to tell you goes back to last year, uh, a family with several children. Um, the mom struggled with addictions and at different times uh, we knew that food was was short uh, for the kids. And uh, one particular time after youth group, I think it was a Tuesday night, I was taking the oldest girl home uh, as part of our drop-off after youth group. And she told me that uh, they didn't have any food for lunches the next day for school. So by the time I dropped her off, um, it was too late to go to the grocery store. So I talked to the mom over text, and I said the next day I will go to Safeway uh, first thing in the morning, get some groceries, and come over so the kids can have some food for lunch. So I did that. I went to Safeway at 8 o'clock on the Wednesday morning, and I took some groceries over to their house. I carried it in, and I waited a few minutes while they packed their lunches. I got them some kind of fun stuff like chocolate milk and cheese strings and, you know, things that that would be kind of cool. And uh, and then I, I drove them to school because it was a few blocks away, and it was kind of late winter, a little bit cold out. And uh, when I got to school, I, I dropped the three kids off. And as I watched them cross the street, I just had an overwhelming sense of joy because um, these kids were going to school with food in their lunch kits, a spring in their step, and a song in their heart that otherwise would have been walking to school without any food. 
after lunch, and um, and it made me so thankful that God had put me in their lives and that he was using me to make a difference for this family. And uh, I guess what I want to say is that sometimes as Christians, um, we're so focused on heaven that we're, we're not much help here in this world, and I think that's a mistake. And God clearly, uh, in the life of Jesus, has set out that we should help the poor and love those who are in need and serve them and be the hands and feet of Jesus in their lives. And when we are in that moment, when we get used, it's a powerful moment. And God is at work and his kingdom becomes real in in the lives of uh, the people who need him the most. And so I just invite you to be a part of God's kingdom in that way and for God to use you in mighty ways in the lives of, of the people around you and to pray for those opportunities to be his hands and feet. So may God bless you as you engage in uh, God's ministry and God's mission uh, in your communities there. God bless you guys. Thanks so much. I'm thankful for people like Kevin Vance. Um, I think they do a lot of good things uh, for the city of Regina and for the people there. Kind of the point of what I've been saying so far um, is that I think a very reasonable argument can be made. Um, just looking at what the church is doing today and what it has done historically, um, that Christianity is actually very concerned with the cause of justice. And yes, we haven't been perfect, but overall, I think the good has far outweighed the bad. And yet, I understand that, that there will also be those that dispute this claim, that they might look at the evidence and see it differently. Um, and certainly, there's going to be those that say, and it's a question that I've heard before, well, what about the other religions? I mean, they do good things too. They care for the needs of others. Um, they're benevolent in, in many different ways. Um, what about even those who are agnostic or who are atheists? And they too will pursue justice for others and will give their time and give their money to care for those in need. Is Christianity actually unique in its pursuit of justice? Is there anything that actually sets it apart? Well, I believe the answer to that question is yes. And to help you understand why, uh, I'm going to read for you a statement that was given, for me, uh, given to me by Kelly. And now I want you to understand, Kelly's gone this morning, and he didn't just go away and say, Dustin, I want you to make sure you read this statement for the church and teach them this. Um, that's not what happened. What, what actually happened is, at the beginning of the year, Kelly would have sat down and he would have kind of outlined the sermons for the next couple months. And he just wrote two or three sentences about each week. Um, and as I was, I was reading what he wrote this week, I just thought that his last sentence just really nailed it. I think he really captured the whole point um, of what I want to say. And so I'm going to read this for you. Uh, this is what he says. He says, Whatever failures and compromises of which Christians may be guilty... God himself is not a human with failings. But he is a divine lover who cares for all and who calls his people to treat others in line with his character 
and will. In other words, Christianity has something to offer in the pursuit of justice, not because of what we as Christians do, but because of who God is. And who is God? Well, he is a divine lover, and he cares for all. And then he calls his people to do the same. And I think we can make that statement that God is a divine lover with confidence, um, and there's a few reasons we can do so. The first is that God has revealed this truth about himself through Scripture. And so what I want to do just for a minute is go and just, we'll take a quick look from Genesis to Revelation, and we'll see that this is actually the pursuit of justice on the behalf of others, God's love, that this is a common thread throughout the Bible. It's something that is very clear. It's an unchanging element of God's character. And so we'll start in Genesis 1. It's the creation account. God creates people, and he says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so we get the sense from the very first chapter of the Bible that God has created all people in his image, and therefore God cares for all people, and God loves all people. A little bit later, we get to Deuteronomy. God's laying out his laws. He's telling his people how to live. And he writes this. He says, The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Right now, I've been, for the past couple of weeks, I've been reading through the book of Deuteronomy um, in my own devotional time. And I've got to tell you, I've been amazed how again and again this theme comes up, that God in his laws is ensuring that the needy are cared for. Proverbs 31, verse 9. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Then we move forward into the prophets. The prophet Isaiah. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. And that's Isaiah chapter 1. But there's a whole book follows this theme right through to the end. And it's not just Isaiah. We have other prophets like Micah. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So we see it throughout the Old Testament, but it's also all over the New Testament. John writes, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions 
and in truth. And then finally, we get to the book of Revelation, where we read about God coming down to be with people. And, he's, and it says that, that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. We see that, that God ultimately is going to set this world right. Ultimately, everyone's needs are going to be met. And so we have this thread throughout Scripture. But you know, we don't just have the Bible to tell us about God and His love and, and the way that He wants justice for everyone. We don't just have to read it on our pages and read it on this screen. Because actually that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And God actually demonstrated his love and his justice through the life of Jesus. And so Jesus comes to earth and he begins his ministry and he begins with these words. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus lived this. Jesus healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He touched the untouchables. He spent time with the outcasts. He showed the world what God's love and justice ultimately look like. And then he went and he demonstrated that love for us by dying on a cross. And you know, that's the most amazing thing of all. And I think that's the thing that really sets Christianity apart in this area. Is that when you look at who God is and when you look at what Christianity is, the very central event the very thing that defines our faith is this amazing act of love. It's an act of sacrifice, of giving oneself for the sake of another. And in his death, Jesus demonstrates the heart of a God who loves his creation so much that he would die on their behalf. And so there can be no doubt that justice is central to the Christian faith. Not because we as Christians are always perfectly loving people who fight for the cause of justice, even though we wish that that would be the case. But because we serve a God who is love, a God who loves justice, and a God who came to earth to die because these things were so important to him. About a year ago, we were just beginning a series on the kingdom of God. And in that series, we would go on to talk about um, how God wanted to bring his kingdom, wants to bring his kingdom. And in doing so, he's looking to set the world right. And of course, ultimately, one day he's going to do that 
uh, like the words we read in, in Revelation, um, by returning and by setting everything right. But we also talked about how Jesus teaches us to pray, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth, even now. And we talked about how God's kingdom has actually already begun. How God actually is setting the world right, even now. And then this fall, we talked about God's story in people. And one of the threads that runs through that story is this thread of, of God having a plan to actually do this, to actually set the world right, to actually pursue justice for the needy and for the vulnerable. And I'm glad that we still have this banner up over here because I think this, it kind of illustrates this for us. God worked through Abraham. God worked through Moses. God worked through Joshua. And then we have this last panel where we have someone feeding the hungry today in our world now. And it's a reminder that this story continues in you and in me today. I think it fits right with what Paul says when he writes to the church and he says, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You see, God is love and God cares for every person and he sent Christ to embody this love, to demonstrate it to the world and now he calls us, the church, to continue embodying this love. To serve the world selflessly and sacrificially, to seek justice, to care for those in need. So I just want to sum up what I've kind of already said to this point. Okay? I've said God declares his love through Scripture. But then God also demonstrates his love through history, and especially through Jesus, and especially through his death on the cross. And now, God calls his church to continue embodying this love. Read the statement from Kelly one more time. Whatever failures and compromises of which Christians may be guilty, God himself is not a human with failings, but is a divine lover who cares for all and who calls his people to treat others in line with his character and will. Just really briefly, before I wrap up here, I just want to touch on the last part of that sentence. We're to treat others in line with his character and will. And what I want to say about that is this, is that I think we can all agree that we want justice in the world. Um, I think most people will agree on that point. But what we won't always agree on is what justice actually is, what love actually is, and how we pursue those things. Um, so I think the last part of this sentence is important. That, that as Christians, we define justice and we define love based on who God is and based on how he defines it. And actually, I think this is a perfectly reasonable thing to do because God has demonstrated uh, through his word and through his actions, as we just talked about, that he is good. 
that he is a God of love and that his definition of justice is going to be noble and worthy. And so when we don't always agree on what that justice is and what it looks like, we should turn to God and we should see what he has to say on that matter. I think I could talk about that that one point for a lot longer, but I'm just going to leave that there for a minute, um, or for today, uh, and, and return to the main point of what I'm talking about today. Um, which is that the thing that sets Christianity apart when it comes to justice is that we have a God who loves justice. A God who loves love. And a God who is love. And so love is at the very core of who he is. It's at the very core of what he did. It's at the very core of Christianity. And God wants it to be at the very core of you and me and of how we live our lives. There's a story of what God is doing, of how he's setting the world right. And my question for you this morning as we close is how will you join this story? And so in just a minute, we're going to play a song uh, and give you just a few minutes to reflect on that question. How will you join the story? How will you pursue justice for the person in need? How will you show love to another? There's so many different ways I think that we can do that. Um, I'm just going to give you one idea, okay? Um, and, I, and this can maybe be a starting place. I don't think it should be the only thing that we do, but it's a starting point. Um, and that's this. As I've already mentioned, every day we have people that come to our door and they ask for food. Uh, some are homeless and just need a lunch. Some have their own home but, but can't afford groceries for their families, and, and we give them a whole, whole food hamper. Um, and right now, the need for that food is greater than it's ever been. We have more people coming than we've ever had. And so what I want to encourage you is as you're out grocery shopping this week, uh, pick up a few extra groceries. Bring them with you next Sunday. Um, every week in the bulletin, we've been putting in a suggested food item, something you can bring. For this next week, it's, it's pasta and pasta sauce. Pick up some extra spaghetti, an extra can of sauce. Next week, come. There's a, a bin in the foyer here where you can put that food, and it'll go and it'll feed someone in need. Um, and if you've got kids, we've been asking, uh, in the Sunday school classes, we've been asking them to bring food. And so send it with your kids. Teach them what it means to care for another um, by having them bring the food. Um, and if you don't have kids, then, then bring it yourself and, and put it in the bin out there. Um, that's just one way. There are so many other ways. I'm going to give you a few minutes. We're going to play this song. Um, reflect on that question. How can I be part of God's story of caring for others? Um, once we've done that, I'll invite the worship team back up, and then they'll close us off. But just take this time to reflect.
day as she slips in trying to fade into the faces the girls teasing laughter is carrying farther than they know farther than they know but if we are the body why are Why on his feet? 